So let's dive in. We're going to continue diving into spiritual gifts. I'm just going to pull us back. Um, but I want to start off with some opening comments to the season that we find ourselves in. A Christian community, this is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. A Christian community either lives by the intercessory prayers of its members for one another, or the community will be destroyed. I can no longer condemn or hate other Christians for whom I pray, no matter how much trouble they cause me. And for Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you know his story, he was literally betrayed by other followers of Christ, and he was turned into the Nazi regime. He said, in intercessory prayer, the face that may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed into the face of one whom Christ died, the face of a pardoned sinner. And so, Life Center, we are, as a church, we are as followers of Christ. We are in a divine season, but we are also approaching these monumental forks in the road where we either pray for one another or we continue to pull apart from one another. You know, together we are wrestling in this season with Jesus, gospel, church, sin, racism, sexuality, worldviews, power, privilege, brothers, sisters, authority, structures, spiritual gifts, hope, brokenness, shame, marriage, widow, cancel culture, kingdom culture, marriage, again, family, singleness, reject, rejection, and redemption. And did I mention that we're wrestling with all of this simultaneously? And due to a global pandemic, pandemic, we are doing most of this online, apart from one another, oftentimes reading only single articles to become experts, trying to convey depth in a comment on a Facebook post, or sometimes as little as 140 characters or less. This little thing right here, I need you to know and you need to see it because we're all wearing them. This little thing is dividing families and churches. This little piece of fabric that I'm just going to put back there and I'll put back on is dividing churches and people and families. This overdue reckoning on race is, I believe, like we all do, a move of God. And when God moves, the enemy always starts counterfeit fires right nearby. You know, as Canadians, we have charter rights as Canadians. Uh, around freedom of religion and also sexual orientation, and they are colliding head-on, pushing us further into the oar when there is precedent that we can live together in the end. And politics of polarization are creating these widening chasms where bases are behaving more like battlegrounds than brothers and sisters. Powerful change is vital, yes, yet being expressed through painful moral imperatives such as I'm in or I'm out. So for example, if you wear masks, you're a government sheep and you're no longer a prophetic voice and I'm out. Uh, if you don't require masks, you're not loving your neighbor and I'm out. Uh, open the church and you're destroying your, your Christian witness, so I'm out. And don't open the church and you're fake news, forsaking the gathering of the saints, and I'm out. Uh, if you say black lives matter and not all lives matter, either way, I'm out. Affirm any LGBTQ experiences, or sorry, I should say, affirm all LGBTQ experiences, or you're a hate-filled bigot, and I'm out. Affirm any LGBTQ experiences and you've compromised scripture, and I'm out. And some listening today, again, whether you're here or whether you're at home, you won't even hear the heart of what I'm saying because the entire time while I'm saying what I'm saying, you're too busy critiquing how I'm saying what I am saying and you're contrasting it with how you would say what I am saying. Today, Life Center, we are across the board. We are different, different. 
Yet we are created in God's image equally. We are brothers and sisters called to a singular salvation in Jesus, affirming the same Apostles' Creed and a collective hope to rise, to, to, be, to be one, just like Jesus and his Father are one. The scriptures that we've been diving into all summer of 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 6, says there are a variety of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but it's the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. And so in the reality of this different and difference and variety and sameness, there will be missteps along the way. Again, wherever there's difference, there's going to be missteps. And we as a church have to wrestle through, do we cancel everyone whom we disagree with? Equally, then, if we don't confess or repent of sin, how do we move forward in reconciling, whether it is deep injustice, wherever it may be? And here's all I know. There is one king and there's one kingdom who loves and lifts and leads us where our collective hearts long to be. I've read this scripture often and we'll read it again. In Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 to 10, it says, After this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and all people and all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, because it's not pandemic in heaven crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. No heroes echoing through the hallways of heaven, only one hero who is Christ the Lord. And this is the picture where Jesus reigns and sin is no more and all is restored to the way God intended. So today, yes, Jesus still reigns, but sin also lurks everywhere seeking to anyone to devour. And one day we will see clearly, but today, as best we can see, is dimly. And so, Lord, would you root us as your church in humility. Today, there is need. There is such a need for Christ-like, motivated by love, leadership. It is so needed. But I have talked to, in the last three weeks, I've talked to over 100 pastors. And here's what I want you to know with the church in Ottawa and a little bit broader than that. Never has there been a need for Christ-like, motivated by love, leadership, yet simultaneously church leaders are depleted and feeling defeated. And so Life Center, we find ourselves in a divine season, not only as a church, but as a city, as a nation, as a people. Approaching monumental forks in the road, not only about who we are in Christ, but how do we be brothers and sisters in the midst of such distinct difference? And so today, let's look at three spiritual gifts that God has given his church for seasons, just like the ones that we find ourselves in. These gifts are never the heroes, but they're needed in seasons, all seasons, but in particular when the waters are choppy, like the seasons in which we find ourselves in. We're going to look at these three gifts of leadership, of pastoring, and of evangelism today, of leadership, of pastoring, and evangelism. And by doing that, I want to read a parable, and here's what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 15, verses 4 to 6, so this isn't a true story, it's a parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice for me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Aren't you glad that no matter whether one is lost or found, as it says here in this parable, that whether one is lost or whether it's found, Jesus never gives up ownership of any of his sheep? I love this heart of who Christ is. That's a parable. Now let me read you something that Jesus actually said and actually did. Well, he did do the parable as well, but you understand what I'm saying. Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus looks out at Jerusalem. He looks out over a city. A city is a collection of individuals. A city is a collection of individuals that have created systems and structures in a society in which they are trying to live in a sense of harmony one with another. This was a homogeneous city here at this point. And so Jesus speaks into it, looking over the city. So Jesus is now not looking at one sheep. He is looking at an entire city. And he says, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, the city that killed the prophets and stoned those who were sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as hens gather her brood under her wings. And you were not willing. And so here's Jesus not looking at an entire, just at an individual, He's looking at an entire city, and he has a heart for a a citywide move of God. And so here we see Jesus talking, telling stories about the one. And here we see Jesus not just looking at the one, but looking at the many. And why do I read that parable and tell the story? Here's why. If I was reading the parable of Jesus who leaves the 99 and goes for the one, and your heart begins to break, your heart is ripped open, your heart gravitates to, Lord, that's who I want to be, you may have the heart of a shepherd. If your heart bleeds for the marginalized, if it bleeds for the one who is kind of on the margins or always on the outside, you may have a shepherding heart. You may have a pastoral heart. Yet if you're here today and I tell the story about Jesus saying, looking at Jerusalem, he's not just looking at the one, but he's looking at the many. And how do we mobilize the many? How do we change the systems and the structures? How do we change the way in which a city operates? And if you go to 10,000 feet and you can see things from that perspective and you love it, then you may have a leadership bend. Because leaders and shepherds love and they lead people incredibly differently. And this is one of the most confusing things in the church because we give everybody this same title, pastor or shepherd, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the person who has the title pastor has a shepherd's heart. They may have a leadership heart, which doesn't make them better, but it's different. So again, if you have the pastoring heart or an evangelism heart, then your heart burned in the first parable. Man, going after the one, leaving the 99. So shepherding and pastoring, you gravitate there. As I said, though, when I told the second story about looking at a city, your heart may may move there if there's more of a leadership bend or a spiritual gift of leadership in your life. You know, let's start with leadership, and then we'll move on to shepherding and evangelism. Romans chapter 12, verse 8 says, To the one who leads, lead with zeal or lead with diligence. The spiritual gift of leadership usually operates in tandem with another leadership-oriented gift, which is a matter of saying this. Every follower of Christ has one spiritual gift. Leaders usually have two spiritual gifts. That's usually the difference. They usually have a leadership spiritual gift and another spiritual gift. So it's not, not uncommon to see someone who is a leader prophet or someone who has a leadership gift and then a pastoral gift or a leadership gift and a teaching gift. That's one of the most prominent ones that you can see or you know, pastor, exhortation, whatever it happens to be. So there's a difference. So leaders usually are not better at all. They just have a combination or a gift mix that's a little bit different. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Let the elders, let the leaders, 
who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So the spiritual gift of leadership is not the same thing as CEO-driven leadership. You need to hear me with both ears and your whole heart. The spiritual gift of leadership is someone who demonstrates the capacity to exercise influence over a group. If it was non-pandemic times, I would have you all say a group. But at home, you can type it in the chat. If you're here, you can say it in your heart, all right? To exercise influence over a group not just individuals over a group, and lead them towards a common goal or purpose with particular emphasis on capacity to make decisions to keep the group operating together. So you might have the spiritual gift of leadership if you have an ability to get direction or vision from God for a group, not just for an individual, for a group, and ability to influence others to follow in the similar or the same direction, that you're clear about here's where we are, here's where we need to be, and you can organize and structure and move it. Again, you have an ability to organize and build structures which allow ministry to happen effectively. Here's what's unique about the spiritual gift of leadership. The spiritual gift of leadership must operate in conjunction with other gifts, primarily the gifts of exhortation, administration, and helps. On its own, the spiritual gift of leadership is wildly ineffective. It's an old John Maxwell expression. If you think that you're a leader, all right, every once in a while, take a look behind you. If nobody's following, you're not a leader. You're just going for a walk, talking to yourself. That's the only thing that you're doing. You got to look around. Is anybody following? Is everybody engaging? Is anyone doing these things? A leader is not just a visionary who can see. A leader is somebody who can organize and engage with people so that they actually begin to follow. Leadership should be a central spiritual gift in every church. Leadership is, and again, let's hear this with both ears and your whole heart. Leadership is making prayerful judgment calls with far less than 100% of the information. So anytime a leader makes a judgment call, it is open to being judged in a different season, looking back, going, I wouldn't have made that decision. Many of us who function in the spiritual gift of leadership, oftentimes given hindsight, go, I could have done that better, I could have done that different. But at the time, how many of you know, you didn't have all the information? Okay, it's a challenge to the gift. Leadership is having unshakable confidence in God while battling your own insecurities. Spiritual leadership is leading people to be more like Jesus. I'm going to say it again. Spiritual leadership is leading people to be more like Jesus, which is why in the church, listen, listen, listen. If I was a CEO or not even a CEO, if I was a manager at Starbucks and something happened in my life or there was a moral failure in my life or Lori and I were having an issue or a disagreement that was leading down a destructive path, I could probably keep my job at Starbucks. But the only thing a pastor has is moral leadership. It's all they have. There's only one place in the world where that absolutely, I think it matters everywhere, but this, whereas in spiritual leadership in churches it matters, it's vital. You know, spiritual leadership is leading something broken to be restored to what God intended. And so in the church, here's what we can never say. And again, those of you at home or those of you here, please listen to me. Here's what we can never say. When we look within the clergy and we see pedophiles, when we look within the clergy and we see those who are abusing the privilege of being a minister, we in the church can never, ever afford the luxury of saying, well, most pastors are good. Most pastors, if there's one, it's too many. If there's one, it's too many because all we have is moral authority. All we have is spirit. That, that's it. 
And so again, where there's people, you're always going to have imperfection, but we have to be diligent and vigilant. There are no perfect people, but we can't let the bars continually drop, and we can't allow excuses to why we don't engage this. So here, as I said a moment ago, many have the title of pastor, but not necessarily have a shepherding gift. I am in that equation as well. I've got a big heart that loves people. It is soft. It is tender, but my heart actually bleeds for the whole. It's a little bit more challenging to engage the one. It doesn't mean that I don't do it. I do it from a spiritual discipline, but not necessarily from gifting. And here's a real problem. Did you know that most Bible colleges train pastors and shepherds, but they don't train leaders? And it becomes a problem in churches. So the spiritual gift of leadership, again, is distinctly different, not better, from the gift of shepherding. When Jesus led, if you go read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, anyone, if you want to go quicker, go to Mark because it's the shortest one. That was a joke. Okay. But if you, it's not a, it is the shortest one. That's not a joke. I'm just saying if you want to get through it quicker, go to the book of Mark. Uh, anytime Jesus exercises spiritual leadership, you can see it in the audience that he's leading, where he says, like, eat my flesh, drink my blood. He draws this line, and the disciples come and go, that was like a really hard thing that you said. And he turns to them and doesn't change the line at all. He says, are you going to leave too? There are these moments of leadership. He turns to Peter and looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You have not the things of the kingdom of God in mind. How many of you know, if you went to prayer and you, know, you stood before Jesus, you have this open, vulnerable heart, you're expecting him to act like a shepherd and he turns and looks at you, the leader, and get behind me, Satan, you'd feel very encouraged and exhorted in your heart if, you, if Jesus said that to you. Jesus wasn't always nice, but he was always loving. Mm. You see, Jesus led... When Jesus led, all motivated perfectly in love, he was direct, he was sometimes confrontational, he drew lines, he called higher, he cast vision, he corrected, and he even called out. Every church, every church needs leaders to lead. But we equally need shepherding and pastoring gifts to be released so Life Center can flourish. You know, I want to take a moment, I want to say thank you to every life group leader every home campus leader, every single one of you who reaches out to other people. How you doing? Are you okay? I'm just calling. I'm just checking in. I just want to pray for you. I just want to send you an email. I just want to send you a text. When you do that, you can be using the spiritual gift of help, spiritual gift of exhortation, all the gifts that we've covered. But Life Center needs, before the pandemic, we were a church of about 1,800 people, which means that we need about 180 shepherds in exercising. We don't need 180 leaders. We have a problem in North America, and that we've, we have idolized leadership, and we have dismissed pastoring and shepherding. We've idolized leadership in the business world. We've idolized leadership everywhere, and in particular, we've done it in the church, to the disadvantage that when someone says, I'm a shepherd, I'm a pastor, it can feel like, oh, I'm not a leader, and here's what I want you to know. Once again, you never want to be anything other than what God created you to be. And so we want to see 180 house campuses over the next year. Why? Because pandemics don't necessarily move in a linear fashion. Has anyone read the news today and hears what's happening in Melbourne, Australia? Not only did they go back to where we were, but they've gone into the strictest lockdown that anyone, I think, if I've seen across the board. And so the churches now in Melbourne, Australia, are trying to figure out in a city of 5 million people, now they can't even go out at night. Only one person can leave from their home. They have to designate a single person. Just tight, tight, tight restrictions because the virus is out of control. Centralized leadership is a one thing, but they need to disperse pastors and leaders to care for people all throughout homes, wherever they happen to be. All right, which again, let's start talking now a little bit about 
this pastor and shepherding gift. Here's what I've seen over and over and over and over and over again. I'm so, again, once again, thankful for the shepherding gifts released. But here's what I want you to know at Life Center. If Pastor X doesn't call you, but person X who goes to the church calls you, you have two choices. You have two choices. You can see maybe what a pastor's not doing, but a pastor may be trying to lead the whole. It doesn't excuse it. So you can see what isn't, or you can see, wow, I'm a part of a church where shepherds are being released to care for me, to see me, to engage with me. It doesn't get pastors off the hook. I'm just telling you, we need the whole body of Christ to minister to the whole body of Christ. We need every spiritual gift activated at Life Center if we're to be the church that he has called us to be. And here's why this is so important, as I alluded to in my opening re- remarks, that a church that can't or won't make, and I'm so grateful Life Center, we have made this distinction. We understand this as a church, but I talk to pastors all around, but churches that can't or won't make this distinction, that they want the pastor not to lead, but to be shepherd, and the pastor may not have that spiritual gift, who's functioning out of discipline, 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 but not necessarily out of gifting, gifting, gifting. In other words, they're shoveling, shoveling, and shoveling, and they never get to use the snowblower part of their gift. They never get to use the empowered part of their gift. That pastor oftentimes burns out unnecessarily. Because once again, they can't be all things to everyone. They can through discipline for a season. But again, it's often about engaging the church. So there are churches in Canada right now that cannot break certain growth barriers. And not every church has to break a growth barrier. I don't believe bigger is better at all. But there are some churches that cannot rise to have more effective ministry because they expect the pastor to do everything and they're unwilling to grow beyond that. And then there are some unhealthy pastors who are controlling and want to do everything. And that, too, keeps the church held back. And so there needs to be this relationship. So again, how is pastor and shepherd different from leader? Well, pastors and shepherds, here's what it says. And he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds. There's the word, shepherds. Another word for shepherd is pastor and teachers to equip the saints and do the work of ministry to the building up of the body of Christ. Now, shepherds build dramatically different than leaders. Shepherding is the capacity to exercise concern and care for members of a group so as to encourage them in their growth in Christ, which involves modeling maturity themselves, protecting others from error, and then disseminating truth. Shepherds, leaders, are vision-oriented, and shepherds are people-oriented, people-centered. Shepherds are the lifeblood of discipleship, but they can rarely grow something larger and larger, and that's not problem. It is divinely instituted of God. So you may have a spiritual gift of shepherding if this is what happens to you. People feel you have authority in things concerning the church and spiritual matters. You may have a spiritual gift of shepherding if something is an announcement in the church, something happens in the church, good or bad, and people come to you, hey, what do you think about that? How do you think they're looking not just for what you think about it, but do you care about me and talking about it? You may have that. They're not just gossiping, by the way. They're genuinely engaging the moment. Uh, That you may lead a life group or a home campus where people like to belong uh, because they are seen, they are known, they are cared for, and they grow. So you lead a life group or a home campus where those things begin to happen. Your character and your, your, your character and your life speak as loud, if not louder, than your words. Uh, you see problems. If you're a shepherd, here's what you do. You see problems, and you don't need to be asked to help or make a difference. You just do it. 
because it's your heart. So the spiritual gift of helps helps in any natural way. I can help with this. I can help with that. The spiritual gift of shepherding begins to engage with people, and that's how they begin to help differently. Your driving passion is to see people more like Jesus, and you go all in to make this happen. People are loyal to you, your way of thinking and your way of doing things. Shepherds are, again, people-driven. And listen, they focus on the few or a few at a time. They focus on the few or a few at a time. Leaders are mission-driven, and they focus on the whole most of the time. All right, That's one of the distinct spiritual differences or in the spiritual gifting when these gifts fire off. Most shepherds in churches are not paid positions. Most shepherds in churches are not paid positions, but they are of utmost importance. For Life Center, as I've mentioned, to be healthy, we need about 180 to 200 people with shepherding gifts, actively using your gifts as life groups or home campus leaders at Life Center. Whether you're here or whether you're at home, we need you. And so leaders oftentimes come up with the vision, again, of home campuses to be a solution to a problem. And administrators, they begin to assist leaders in how we're going to execute this vision. But shepherds are the ones who make the vision come alive, who minister to others in home campuses, who make them great, who see people and ensure that people are seen, who love them. And they are the touch, not just the talk. They are the touch of the church, and it is so vital. But for a church to change and for a city to change, we not only need leaders and we not only need shepherds. You know what we need? We need evangelists. We need people who have the heart of an evangelist. Because if you're here or you're home and you're watching or you're listening today, an evangelist, you have a heart. You have a heart that it is all about the good news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel. It is really people haven't heard, people haven't heard. There is nothing that you wouldn't do for that one. When we sing that song about the reckless love of God, if you are a shepherd, you're actually not just talking about singing about walls that are kicked down and God that would do all these things. You're actually looking at the rest of us going, why don't you care? Why don't you care that the world is lost and going to hell? Why aren't you engaging this with your whole heart? Why are you having more prayer meetings? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you out here? Why are you a cruise ship? Church, we're called to be a battleship in the midst of culture. If you're an evangelist, that's just how you're wired. It's not that you're against, but you just see things so differently. Because evangelism isn't only about presence. There are many of us who just love God's presence. And evangelists love God's presence, but they love something as much as God's presence is proclamation. They love, it's a word gift where you proclaim the birth, the death, the life of Jesus, and you actually can lead people to Christ. It can be lived out, but it must be spoken and it must be defended. Here's a gentleman of C.T. Studd, and this is what he said. Some want to live within the sound of a church or a chapel bell. This is what C.T. Studd said. Some want to live within the sound of the church or a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. How many you know that's an evangelist? Right? Some, of us, some people, when you begin to talk about evangelism, their hands begin to get sweaty. Oh my gosh, no one asked me to do that. And this, that's, that's what an evangelist sounds like. I believe it was William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Harmony, who, would, who, who often would talk about, I'm going to paraphrase now, that before any minister would be sent out into the world, he would pray that be able to have the heart of heaven, but he also would pray, Lord, would you dangle them over the precipice of hell so they can understand the realities in which they're called to minister? That is an evangelist. It is the work of an evangelist. Timothy in the New Testament was an evangelist. 
It says, For the time is coming when people will no longer endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, that they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Here's Paul saying to Timothy, endure suffering. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. That's who you are. It's who you're called to be. Fulfill your ministry. Timothy, you're not necessarily a leader. Timothy, you're not a shepherd. You're not a pastor. Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Now do you understand why he's, even Paul is addressing Timothy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy? He's saying, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He's growing in his gifting, but he's rustling feathers because he's like C.T. said, where people in the church maybe just want to be loved and cared for and engaged with. And he's going, no, no, we've got a world to reach. Come on, you know, stop sucking your thumb. Let's go. And the person who's sucking their thumb, they're like, I'm not sucking my thumb. I'm really in pain over here. And he's going, yeah, not as much pain as them. It's the work of an evangelist, right? That's not necessarily the most mature thing that I did there, but sometimes that's what fires off. The work of an evangelist is often rooted in introducing people to the good news or apologetics, which is always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. The gift of evangelism in general refers to the capacity to challenge people through various methods to receive the gospel in Jesus so as to take initial steps in Christian discipleship. Here's what I need you to hear. Evangelism and discipleship are different, but they're not separate. Evangelism is just the first step in discipleship. Oftentimes we view them as two distinctly, totally separate things. They're different, yes, but evangelism is the first step in discipleship. They are one, it is, it, they are the similar thing along the exact same path. Evangelists have a high degree of persuasion and they have to be careful not to fall into manipulation. Evangelism is rightly listed in Ephesians chapter 4, 11. It is, it is a leadership gift as they proclaim Jesus in an authoritative way, as they lead other Christians in the way of evangelism. And the way they live their lives causes other unbelievers to be curious and to ask questions. The gift causes growth in the church around the world. And you might have this gift if, you may have the gift of an evangelist if, you have the ability to talk before groups or people and easily converse with strangers, you may have this gift. How many of you know that we're all called to share our faith? Can I see your hands, please? Those of you online, hands up in the chat. Okay, so every single one of us are called to share our faith by spiritual discipline, but the gift of an evangelist is different. They have that snowblower, empowered power that's different, is they can persuade and they can influence people. You have an intense unrest about the thought of people spending an eternity apart from God. You can easily insert spiritual truth into any and every conversation. You lead people to Christ. That's one of the hallmarks of an evangelist. Some plant seeds, some water, but God gives the increase. Evangelists seem to be amazing to come alongside and find seeds that have already been planted in water, 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 so that people come to know Christ. People are always asking questions about spirituality. You are moved to pray for those who don't know Jesus often, and you can easily make friends, really, really, really easily. Evangelists make friends everywhere they go. Uh, leaders don't make friends everywhere they go. And pastors usually have a smaller circle of friends. But evangelists, big circle of friends. Here's the challenge if you know an evangelist. You will feel like you're their best friend, but everybody feels like they're their best friend. It's one of the challenges. Also, if someone has the gift of exhortation, by the way, you may feel like they are, I mean, they're my best friend, but everybody feels that way around them. And so let me finish here. We've reached a fork in the road, and here's what... Anne Snyder says, healthy societies 
whose civic arteries are pumping with institutional credibility, moral consensus, and agility, visionary leadership are able to convert a layered crisis like we are in right now, which is both pandemic, it is race, it is economic, it is spiritual, all the different layers. Visionary leadership are able to convert a layered crisis like this into a grand opportunity. But our arteries as a nation are in distress. Any kind of moral narrative that could grant force and direction to the ideal has been strangled by a war of political narratives. Here's a problem we have, church. As far as the city, we don't trust one another. We hold fewer and fewer authority structures in common. And each of us has grown accustomed to seeing reality through glasses that we don't even realize that we're wearing. Distrust has outpaced humility and exhaustion has outpaced love. And so Life Center, here's what we need. We need imperfect, humble, holy, and hungry leaders to imperfectly lead in this time and in this season. And so if you have the spiritual gift of leadership, you need to lead with all diligence. We need imperfect, humble, holy, hungry shepherds to imperfectly care in this time and season. Stop waiting until you have everything worked out before caring for someone else. Imperfectly love those around us. And we need imperfect, humble, holy, and hungry evangelists to imperfectly reach the lost, all while fixing our eye on the only perfect leader, shepherd, and evangelist the world has ever known. And it is into his image, into the image of Jesus, all of these spiritual gifts work together. And when they do, church, when these gifts work together, do you know what we're called? We're called the body of Christ. And so if you're here today or you're at home and you believe you have the spiritual gift of leadership, of shepherding, or the evangelist gift, or you want the spiritual gift of leadership, shepherding, or evangelism, I'm going to invite you to take a moment and stand. If you're here and you have one of these gifts at home, you can just hands up in the chat. But if you're here and you have a gift of leadership, shepherding, or evangelist, or you want the gift of leadership, shepherding, or evangelism, I'm going to invite you to stand. All right? And let's pray. Okay? At home, again, hands up in the chat. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in this moment, we pray that you would activate gifts of leadership within your church. Wherever there's a problem, Lord, let a leader arise, a leader with a heart who loves you and who loves your church, who wants to not divide but to bring things together, to work through differences, not to break apart as a result of differences. Father, release the spiritual gift of shepherd. Lord, we pray, even within Life Center, whether it is in Cornwall, Canada, Orleans, Blackburn online. Lord, we pray for 180 to 200 shepherds to emerge within our midst to not just be concerned about the city, but to be concerned about the few who God puts into their keeping and their care, who can, they can see and be seen. And also, Lord, we pray for the release of the gift of an evangelist, those who can reach out and speak out and proclaim the gospel, those with the gift of apologetics and the mind like Aravi Zacharias to defend 
even worldviews and discuss worldviews in a humble way yet with absolute clarity. Jesus, we pray. We pray, Lord, that we'd be able to grow in these giftings at Life Center so that we can better not just be the church but also serve the city in which we find ourselves. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, once again, on behalf of Lori, thank you so much for honoring us. You may be seated as Pastor Sam comes. May Jesus bless you and may he keep you. I know that was like drinking from a fire hose this morning, but I couldn't go any slower. I wouldn't have gone through it all of it. So.